You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love. We're talking about sex goes beyond the taboos and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. I'm Dr. Joe Court. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to Smart Sex, Smart Love. On this episode, I'm talking about somatic psychotherapy and how it relates to sex therapy with my guest, Sharon Norman Widmer. Sharon is a licensed master's clinical social worker, and she works with me at the Center for Relationship and Sexual Health right here in Royal Oak, Michigan. She specializes in working with individuals seeking support navigating erotic, gender, and sexual identity challenges, alternative relationships, and trauma utilizing a strength-based psychodynamic mindful, mindfulness-based approach. Sharon uses somatic therapy to help individuals learn to self-regulate. But what is somatic psychotherapy? And how is this therapy helpful for couples and individuals? Let's find out. Today we're talking with Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad you came on. And um, uh, so with people, so that they know you started out with us, well, really you came in to our, um, our presentations in the beginning. I was doing those meetups mm-hmm. and right. You used to come in with your husband and sometimes I think you came by yourself too, didn't you? Yes. Yes. I was adventurous. <laughs> yeah, you were. And then, um, then you were a student at Wayne state university in the masters in social work. And we talked about having you come aboard, which you did as a student. And now you're one of our clinicians. Yes. My life's dream. <laughs> no, I'm so glad. And we're so happy to have you. And very happy, in fact, for me as well, because I really don't know a lot myself about somatic therapy. So I'm hoping that you could start us out with telling us just what is it in in its basic terms. Okay. Well, if we look at the word soma, its root means body. So somatic psychotherapy is really looking at combining the body and mind experience. So I like to say it's a holistic therapeutic approach that incorporates the person's mind, body, spirit, and emotion in a healing journey. Okay. So um, can you say more like if someone came in with depression, let's say, um, or even anxiety, what might you, uh, how would you use somatic therapy? Oh, okay. So um, initially it's always great to uh, let the person, what I like to do or have them do is tell their story. So just tell me what's going on with them, what brought them into the session And then when we begin utilizing somatic therapy, I invite the client to begin paying attention to the sensations uh, that's going on in their body. For example, if they're telling me um, a certain situation that triggered an anxiety attack or something along those lines, as they recount the situation, I'll begin to invite them to pay attention to where they're experiencing tension in the body. Um, and, you know, people tend to say their heart is beating fast, but um, over time I start to be, bring awareness to, you know, maybe your neck is tight or your palms are sweaty. So it's, it's about gently directing the attention to the body so that the client can begin to learn how to track their own responses and raise awareness to their reactions in certain situations. That's great to know. And, and really, that it's helpful, right? Because people lose a sense around um, or connection to their bodies as they get busier and busier with life, don't they? That's, that's correct. 
And so, okay, so then they tell you, so I'd be sitting there and I would tell you, I feel it like for me, my stress or my somatic um, ways that I manage my stress or my moods are in my head. I feel like I have a band around my head. What would I do with that if you were working with me somatically? Oh, okay. Well, sometimes I do use some visualization and I I love the fact that you said it feels like a band. Sometimes clients can't. Uh, you find language around what they're feeling, so we might help them to get there. But then once that they once they do have uh, this language, we'll say um, perhaps let's give this band a texture, or maybe we'll measure on a scale of one to ten how tight it feels for them. And then we might incorporate um, some deeper breathing techniques. And then while they're breathing deeper, maybe paying attention, maybe that band starts to go down from say a seven or eight to maybe a five or a six. And by by utilizing the body and the sensations, um, we're building awareness so that they can take this technique perhaps home or to the office so that when they feel this tight band, they can remember to breathe and then track uh, the sensations of this band if it's to recede. That makes so much sense. And I have to say, you know, I've, we've been, I've talked with you for since ever since you started here, but doing this podcast, your voice is so soothing. I don't think I've ever noticed (laughs) it's relaxed and I'm not, you know, I talk fast. I'm like, okay, so what are, you know, as a therapist, I might slow down, but in general, I think I still talk fast. So I can imagine someone would feel very comfortable sitting there listening to you. Well, that's the goal. Um, I do think that breathing as well as paying attention to one's tonality can can go a long way in setting the mood so that a client can feel oh this is a safe space i can begin to relax here how does it relate because i know um you do sex therapy as well how does it relate to someone coming in for a sexual issue so again i like the person to tell me their story um and then i might initially begin to have them pay attention to what's going on with their body while they're telling the story But as we look at uh, whatever sexual issues brought them in, um, I begin to, um, I'm trying to think of an example of, uh, I do work a lot with the LGBT community. um, And so a lot of times what comes up is anxiety or issues around um, what I call minority stress. Um, So we, we start looking at how their body reacts in situations where they might feel challenged related to their identity. Um, or, or something along those lines. Okay, that makes sense. And um, I think it's important for people to know too, They, you know, when people hear sex therapy, uh, and then they hear somatic therapy where they're talking about body, people get confused that we're touching clients. And uh, it's so important that we tell people that's not what this is. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's easy to do in the time of COVID since we're doing teletherapy, but it's important that even when we're working in the office, when we're saying we're doing somatic therapy, it's really about raising the individual's awareness about their own body sensations. Um, and sometimes I use um, mindfulness. Um, mindfulness as helping the person to accept various situations without judgment. So helping a, a person understand their own reactions to different situations, Um, help perhaps raising their awareness around their intentions um, about why they came to seek help. Um, And mindfulness also allows someone to pay attention to certain attitudes. So their own attitudes around curiosity, acceptance, and kindness. So I, I offer this to say that this is all their internal work. There's no touching going on. 
Right. So that's very, very helpful. And then you brought up mindfulness too. That's used often with somatic therapy. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, Because as a person begins to raise awareness around their own body sensations, um, we're seeking to raise clarity around different issues and paying attention or raising awareness around one's own attention um, is, is, is so helpful in helping the individual, as I mentioned, gain clarity around what it is that they're actually seeking help for. And how do you use it with the cu- like a couple, two people are in? Are we talking about mindfulness? Uh, sorry, mindfulness, somatic <laughs> therapy. Yeah. So they come in and the client knows you do somatic. They know you do mindfulness and they're struggling with couples issues that oh. feel insurmountable. Right. Oh, this is a great question. Um, because as a couple is talking, or let's say an individual in the couple session is talking, I will have the one who's not speaking begin to draw attention to their own body reactions while their partner talks. So, you know, from a viewer's standpoint, I can look and see if a partner's arms are crossed or if their legs are crossed or if they're pulling their face. But it's interesting that sometimes they themselves are not aware of what they are doing while their partner is speaking. Mm. So I will bring awareness to that or vice versa. Um, The person who is speaking Sometimes they're so busy being lost in their thoughts, they're not noticing how their partner is physically reacting to either their tone or to the content of the message. So bringing, again, raising awareness around the physicality of what's going on in any given situation. I've even had couples, um, I'll say, okay, freeze. And then in that moment, while both of them freeze, I have them pay attention to what their body's doing, the positions, and also have them track what they are feeling right there in that moment. And it's a really helpful tool for everybody involved to kind of get a, a better feel of the emotions of the situation. I really like that. I'm going to use that in my <laughs> work with couples so that, right, when they're in the middle of having some kind of stressful thing with each other, to have, I love that, freeze, what's going on for you in this moment, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm sure people say I'm not breathing, I'm feeling tense, or like John Gottman talks about in his work, feeling flooded, right? This can help people with flooded emotions. Mm -hmm. Very much so. I'm glad you brought that up because I do talk a lot about the nervous system when I'm helping people understand how I work. And even um, something like anxiety is an indicator that our nervous system is overloaded in that moment. So having people understand uh, that visualization of, oh, right now my heart's beating fast and my palms are sweaty. This means I'm on overload. What can I do to return my nervous system to some kind of equilibrium? Um, I like to use the example of um, fight or flight, which most people are familiar with. Um, Well, in times past, that would help us if a saber-toothed tiger was coming after us. We're either going to fight it or we're going to flee. And so anxiety in the present world, we're thinking that there's a tiger. So first of all, where is the tiger? Do I need to fight it? And if there is no tiger, what somatic techniques have I learned in session that will allow me to leave fight or flight and return to the parasympathetic, the rest repose, so that I can make better decisions in this moment? So I do use a lot of um, education on how the nervous system works. That's so important and helping people be self-aware rather than uh, what normally happens in relationship is I'm trying to get my partner to say and be and do something different so that I can feel better. This is more about holding yourself accountable. 
mm-hmm. accountable and also being more engaged in the outcome, taking authorship or ownership of what's going on in the moment. I love that. Um, how does it work? Um, it, it, and does it work differently when someone comes in and they're uh, trying to recover from something traumatic in their life, some sexual trauma, physical trauma, um, anything that might have happened to them in a trauma way? Oh, yes. Again, a great question. Um, because for some people who have experienced trauma, going to the body is scary. And so for some, that's not the way to start off. Um, I more or less, again, get their story. And then I will ask them how they feel while telling me um, what's going on. And I will often relate what they're feeling again to the to the nervous system overload. And then but but it, any every step along the way, I really just invite them to uh, see how does it feel when you're you're telling me about this story? How does it feel when I ask you to drop into the body and perhaps pay attention um, to your heartbeat? And if they respond that oh I can't feel anything, or if they even look like mm, this is not a a place to go, we will back off from going to the body um, because we do want to help them feel safe at all times. That's awesome. Um, I talk about with clients too, that memories can live in your body. Do you know what I mean? So um, one time I remember this in my thirties that um, I start, I was watching television and there was a very scary movie on that. My mother, I have no idea why she did this um, to this day, but she took my sister and I and my aunt to, and it was not for kids. I should have never been there. It was, I think I was eight years old. And when it became to the scary scenes, she would put my her hand over my um, eyes, but I still saw and I still heard. It was awful. So anyways, uh, the movie was on. I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch this. I, I want to see what, what this movie really was for me as an eight-year-old. And I, I was alone. I was downstairs. My husband was upstairs sleeping. And I started feeling afraid. Uh, my heart started beating uh, pretty rapidly. I felt like somebody might want to be coming through the window. And um I didn't know what was happening to me. And the next day I spoke with a therapist friend and they said, you were having body memories. That's probably how you felt in your body sitting there watching the movie. What would you say about that? Exactly. And that's what I do tell people that anxiety is a body memory of a time you felt helpless. And it's also a fear that you might feel helpless again in the future. I do use a lot of language around what the body remembers. Um, my background is a massage therapist. I've been a massage therapist for 23 years. Mm-hmm. And even when I was a massage therapy instructor, we would talk about issues in the tissues. Uh-huh. How- wait, wait, I love that. Issues <laughs> in the tissues. That's perfect. Yes. <laughs> because what would happen in massage sometimes uh, you're you're working on a client and they might all of a sudden start crying or they might tense up. And what it is, is you, you went over an area of the body where they were holding a memory of some emotion. And so um, it's, 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 the body is, is just so amazing. Um, so we would have to teach uh, therapists how to be in the moment with the client. So I use that background when I'm working with um, therapy patients or mental health clients to understand that, yes, your body does remember certain things. And I also use the analogy, let's say you're angry at your partner, uh, but it's not the appropriate time to give voice to what you're saying. Well, when you hold things back, what do you hold them back with? Um, And the answer is going to be facial muscles or tension in the neck. So we actually hold 
withhold things with our physical body. And if we never get around to processing them at, at the right time or in, in a, a place that's safe, that stuff is just stuck. And it could come out when you don't expect it, or it might manifest as depression, as anxiety. So just bringing the uh, awareness again to the body-mind connection, I think is so helpful because talk therapy is wonderful, but I think you can work faster when you combine talk therapy with working somatically. So for you, it made total sense to be drawn to somatic therapy because you're already uh, a body kind of therapist doing massage therapy. Exactly. I've been a holistic practitioner for a long time. <laughs> and, you know, people don't know this about you, but I think they should know too, that you're also getting psychoanalytically trained. It's You're doing a lot of different trainings, even now, though you're out of school. I'll never be out of school. Even though I have a paper that says I'm out of school, <laughs> <laughs> I will always be adding because there's so much to learn. If I combine both the uh, psychotherapy world with the my somatic training, there's just this big world in between that I'm still learning and growing. Um, I'm also studying right now uh, for yoga therapy. I'm going to add that also to my title because, (laughs) because again, that's that, that body mind connection um, and just learning how to be in the body, how to help someone else learn how to be in the body. And as you mentioned, I am being um, psychoanalytically trained um, because there's just so much to learn. (laughs) I love psychoanalytic thinking. I always wanted to do that training and then I became busy in all the other things I did. But I mean, I go to different seminars here and there, but it just makes so much sense. It's not the end all answer, but it helps people dig deep into why um, they or and where things may have come from for them. It doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, with uh, psychoanalytic training or psychodynamic training, what, like what I have and what I'm continuing to do, we're looking at. Um, how your past influences your present behavior and also how unconscious processes um, sometimes manifest in your current behavior. So that's um, a beneficial way of looking at how a person might have sexual issues or anxiety or depression and how it affects them today. In my Imago relationship therapy, we uh, talk about um, returning to the scene of the crime, we call it, right? So you're recycling the past and the present. And a lot of clients come in and say, well, I don't want to get stuck in the past. I don't want you to, you know, go there and then, you know, make me stay in therapy forever around that. And I always say to them, if you're recycling the past and the present, you're already stuck in the past. That's a very, very good way to put it. Um, And I also add to that, that we have imprints from our childhood that affect our thoughts and decision-making today. So it's always helpful to analyze those imprints and see how they are in our present. I like that a lot. I'm thinking back to sex therapy, right? So someone comes in and a lot of times what uh, uh, people have performance issues. uh, I hate to even say performance, you know, a sex Mm -hmm. therapist, we're always looking at the language and changing it. But as people are engaging in sexual um, behaviors, they tend, if they have anxiety or depression or some other issue, they can lose erotic focus. So I would imagine somatic therapy helps them in their bodies stay in the erotic realm. Is that, is that how that would work? Yes. And I like to look at this as um, how embodied, literally in your body are you? So if someone is worried about 
we don't like the word performance, but you know, this is the the language that people are familiar with. If they're worried about, <laughs> if they're worried about that or impressing their partner, um, so their thoughts are really going outward. But by using somatic therapy, we can help the person become more embodied and really stay, as you mentioned, in their learn how to stay in their erotic experience, learn how to explore their wonderful potential that they might be missing because they're worried about performing or pleasing their partner. So yes, somatic, somatic therapy is good for that. Yeah. I'm, um, and I love that, um, you know, mixing all these different types, you know, people think, uh, and our culture has gotten to the point where they're going to therapy around specific trainings and it really isn't about the training. It's about your relationship with the therapist and how they integrate all the trainings. Um, and the more trainings we get, it, we don't have to be certified in everything, but the more exposure we get to different types of therapy, the more we can be helpful to clients. And I would imagine that's true for you. Absolutely. And that is why I pursued psychodynamic training, because the word dynamic means moving. And so a person may come in for treatment, but being trained dynamically means I can move with them. I can hear their story, as I like to say. Uh, assess what it is that they're looking for help with. And then dynamically, we can move in a direction uh, using whatever training that I've had that will be most beneficial for them. That way, it's not prescriptive from the beginning, but it's more like, let's co-create and let's take a look at what you need and work to achieve it together. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, and then they can leave with tools, leave with um, something you gave them rather than uh, you know, people will always ask me at the end of sessions, you know, so what's my homework, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and what kind of homework do you give people around somatic therapy? I, I'm i going to sum it up in one sentence. I say, go to the body. I have um, one lady that I'm working with. She came in with a lot of childhood trauma, uh, neglect, really. Um, and so she was what we call disembodied. She was Um, trying to make decisions, but she was in a constant state of anxiety and rage. Um, But we started looking at what, what does your body do when you're raging or before you're raging? So after working with her for a few months, she'll come to sessions. She'll say, well, this happened this week, but I I did my homework. I went to the body and I, I checked in to see is this good for me? Do I need to make a change? So my, the homework that I give is around helping them utilize this tool of their own body that's with them all the time. So being better in better relationship with themselves. So let me ask you this, that what if someone doesn't like their body? I feel my fat. I feel my clothes pressing up against me. I don't like, and they start thinking about things they don't like about their body. Then what? Um, What came to mind for me was mindfulness. So I go back to We look at what it is that they don't like, and then we look at perhaps we can even just come to neutral about certain parts of your body. Because if a person raises awareness around the moment they place a value judgment, meaning positive or negative on a body part or uh, some feeling they have about their body, just being aware that they are doing this and that there is an alternative, um, that's usually the direction that I go with someone who doesn't like their body. Because if we go straight to, well, look at all the wonderful things your body does for you. They're not there. They're not there. So it's more helpful to come to a place of non-judgment before we start looking at how beneficial and wonderful 
their body is. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> it totally makes sense. What if someone bumps into something negative though, and they can't get past it? You know, like uh, if they connect to their body and they re- they have a memory of some kind of abuse or touch or inappropriateness or the same thing. They don't like something about their body and they, they start, uh, you know, hyper-focusing on it. That makes me think we need to look at the sensations that arise around this memory. And again, it boils down to nervous system overload and how we can, in those moments, calm the overactivity of the nervous system. And and I find that a lot of times when people start to understand the physiology of what's happening, they kind of step back from this being 100% emotionally driven. They say, oh, my body is doing this or my body is doing that. Um, And again, it helps separate from the emotion. And then the tools that we work with around calming the body are really helpful for processing or um, encoding these traumatic memories so that they don't have as much a, a charge. I like it because people then you're not telling people they have to go, you know, a lot of times the, the uh, homework would be go work out, go do yoga, go, you know, something physical, join a sports team. A lot of people either don't, they're not ready to do that. Um, they don't want to do that. So this, they can, this is portable. They can do this anywhere. Oh, exactly. And that's what I do tell them about the tools that uh, we work with of, of tracking the body. You can do this anywhere. <laughs> you know, you can learn to be mindful and not judge judgmental in any situation you don't have to go sit on a meditation cushion and put your hands in prayer (laughs) you can go to the body anytime any place what else do you think that i haven't asked you about in terms of somatic therapy since we're talking about that today is important for listeners to know um anything that like you know the clients you've worked with or even within yourself that you think you know, people might find this surprising or, you know, might find it different than what they thought it might be. I do hear um, from people as far as what they, uh, it's different from what they expected. They're coming in for traditional therapy or, you know, maybe they've sought out a practitioner for uh, CBT or psychodynamic or whatever the case may be. But the unique style that I use of um going to the body along with talk therapy, many people have said, oh, you know, this is not what I expected, or they expected a lot of homework, but the homework that they are given is really easy to integrate into their everyday life. So I think that that is uh, the most um, common thing that I've heard as far as um, how I work differently. Um, um, And then the other thing about what people should know is Again, going to the body for some people is scary. So even though I work somatically, my number one goal is for the person to feel safe in session. And so at any point, if there's some uncomfortableness around it, we will move to a a type of therapy that is more suited to them. So there's no need to be afraid. (laughs) That's a great answer. And, you know, I'm really thinking that one of the things you might do if when your schedule allows it is to make some take some audio uh, audibles for people so they can listen to your voice. Cause I <laughs> I'm telling you, I've never realized how soothing it is um, until we got on this podcast. That's funny. I just want to put a little plug in for myself. I am a voice actor. So <laughs> well, you might've told me that one time. What do you mean? What does that mean? 
So um, a voice actor does characters for different things. My area is audiobooks. So there are actually several um, audiobooks that I've narrated. I've even done one that's uh, mindfulness for kids. I've done a lot of children's book, children's books. Um, I tend to get slated that way because of my calm voice. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yes, but one fun book was an audiobook on mindfulness for kids because you can teach children from a very early age and, and, and they're more receptive to going to the body when they're young because that's that's where you know our our when we're born we're we are embodied we are in touch with ourselves if you a baby needs something it it just cries or you know reaches out for attention we don't infant you don't see an infant sitting there going mm, if I cry right now it might piss my mother off I mean <laughs> they, they just don't do that so really it's about teaching people to go back to the embodied state that they always knew, but somewhere along the way, they've learned these stories that, oh, my body doesn't know. I'll try to figure this out all with my head or <laughs> things like that. And how, that's that's good to know. And it makes sense that you would be a voice, uh, what do you call it, a voice actor? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does this particularly uh, relevant for LGBTQ people? I'm going to say you're asking about somatic therapy? Yeah, sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm all over the place. Sorry. Um, so one part of somatic therapy uses um, internal family systems, um, which is utilizing a systems perspective on viewing the family as an emotional unit. So when working with LGBT uh, community or individuals in the community, um, the beauty about using both somatic and uh, psychodynamic dynamic therapy is we look at how we take a look at how they function or functioned in their family and how it affects their present behavior. Um, and sometimes it's a matter of, I don't want to say healing connections, but looking at how this person can um, talk about their orientation with their family of origin, coming to some kind of internal peace about it. Um, and so again, going to the body is, is really helpful um, to, for helping the client understand, well, in which situations am I experiencing more anxiety? Um, how do I feel about speaking up for myself in this situation? What is my body saying? So these are uh, ways that I use to help people. I love it, especially with the LGBT community, because uh, there's so much disowning and burial and suppression and oppression uh, around body issues, particularly, obviously, with the trans uh, community. So the somatic therapy just sounds good for everyone, but particularly for LGBTQ. Oh, I would agree. I would agree. Anything else, final thoughts uh, before we um, finish out this podcast? Um. I, I really enjoy working this way. It, it feels natural. And so anyone who's interested in working with me, I would encourage them to reach out. Uh, I hope they do too. I think, you know, you know how wonderful I think you are. I wouldn't have brought you on if I hadn't from the minute I met you in, in the presentations. Um, how can people find you um, if they do want to uh, contact you and connect with you? So I have a bio on our website at the Center for Relationship and Sexual Health. So calling the office there is, is the best way to get a hold of me. Great. And that would be um, at 248-399-7447 
or they can go to the website and read your bio and see your picture, um, which is on www.crsh.com. I want to thank you, Sharon, for being my guest today and talking about somatic therapy, mindfulness, um, and how it works with trauma and how it just works in, in general with depression, anxiety, and as a regular uh, therapy. And um, if, if your listeners are listening to me and enjoyed the show today, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at Dr. Joe Court. I'll see you next time. Take care and stay safe. Thanks for listening to this episode of Smart Sex, Smart Love. I'm Dr. Joe Court, and you can find me on joecourt.com. That's J-O-E-K-O-R-T.com. See you next time.